that's going through a lot, and many, many others out here uh, have had a most difficult year, the most difficult, unbelievable. How do I make it through? Well, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I, I don't know how to put it any other way. Uh, yeah, Roy, good to see you this morning. I just see all kinds of people out there. Yeah. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If only we could recapture in our churches across the nation and around the world, if we could recapture and regain biblical love <laughs> instead of the twisted, perverted love that we see in the world around us. The purity of Christ's love for us. I want us to rest with that passage in the background as we stand for the reading of today's text. Would you please, if you are able, to stand for the reading of the Word of God. We're going to read a couple of passages. The first one being out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Second reading, 1 John 4 and verse 10. 
In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word, be honored by it. Father, may we lay hold by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, may we lay hold of these great truths to exceed just information and knowledge, but to have them affect our lives in ways never imagined. May we somehow this morning move just a little closer, a little closer to really understanding Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus' name, we offer these prayers. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We're going to take just a, a little bit of a different approach to, uh, to this message this morning as we, as we discuss and consider together this issue called love. From our Corinthians passage, we see that the greatest of faith, hope, and love is love. Galatians 5, we find in the list of the fruit of the Spirit that love is the first listed, followed by joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But I present to you today that biblical love clearly presents itself as a foundational principle or even a catalyst of Christian expression, love. So what about this love story that never ends? Let's look at how love is the story. First of all, I want us to consider the love that Joseph had for Mary. Again, as I mentioned in the children's sermon, as we shared together that there are times I'm, I fear, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm fearful that we almost dismiss the human element in the Christian story because we are so overwhelmed with the divine activity, the angelic presence, all the announcements, the proclamations, and then the, the beauty of the birth as the heavens explode with a hallelujah chorus and the angels proclaim the birth of the Savior and we get all up and, and, and understandably so. And this divine display that we forget. There's a young guy and a young woman who just had a baby. Right? He just had a baby. Oh, but how the world was rocked by this event. But it, with that as a, as a background, a, an introduction, if you will, I, I want us to try to... Try to hang on to that just for a minute. Just a young guy named Joseph and a young lady named Mary with plans for life together. And all of a sudden, God intervenes. Joseph loved Mary. He loved her. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, listen, listen, being a just man. Don't miss that in the passage. Being a just man and unwilling. See that, that firmness that he was a man of conviction, just and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. You see, Joseph had a protective love for Mary. 
a protective love. Stop and think, real people, real life, a young girl who dreamed of her perfect wedding day, a young man planning a life together with his beautiful young bride, no, play, no pun intended, but sharpening his skills in the carpentry shop. Oh, and Joseph, by the way, I'm pregnant. Guys, the human element. What is our reaction? Out of the things that Joseph doesn't know, he knows he's not the father, right? He's not the father. Earthly father, yes, he's not the father of the child. So what will Joseph do? Very quickly, Joseph had several options. He could go ahead and marry her anyway, knowing that the child wasn't his. However, that would have gone against his convictions and committed as, as a man of God. No matter how much he loved Mary, he needed to put his relationship uh, in, in perspective with God being first. I just can't do this. He could have dragged her before the tribunal and had her tried or as adulteress. This would have been a vindictive move. At the very least, Mary would be publicly disgraced, or even worse, should, she could be sentenced to death by stoning. So what did Joseph do? Well, we read in the passage, verses 18 through 29, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly, and then something happened. He considered it before God. Folks, this is the transition point in the whole text in this beginning story. He considered it before God. Guys, if you have a decision to make, please consider it before God first. Any of us, any of us, consider it before God first. He had several options as we just examined a couple, three of them. But he chose the way of love. You see? He chose the way of love. The, that way which would bring the least amount of shame and attention to Mary. That's what Joseph chose. Why? Because he loved Mary and he wanted to protect her. You see, love always protects. 1 Corinthians 13 and 7. And Joseph chose to protect Mary. Even when he thought she had been unfaithful to him, Joseph's love for Mary is our first example of love at Christmas in the Christmas story. So when we look at what Joseph did as he considered these things, look out, listen up, God's going to speak. But as he considered these things, verse 20, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which was conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You see, Biblical love, my friends, biblical love is not a weak emotion. It is a powerful force. And it, it compels us to do the right thing. Do we hear the word of God this morning? Love does the right thing. Real people, not characters in a play, a young man, a young woman, their lives have just been turned upside down, and their response, let's go with God's plan. Let's go with God's plan. Joseph loved Mary. And when Joseph woke from sleep, 
he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took his wife. Amen. But you know, Mary also had a love for Jesus. And here again, I want to, to, to bring this to the, to the plane in which we live on. The love Mary had for Jesus was a parental love. A parental love. Simple. How do you describe the love between a mother and her child? And here is Mary. No hospital, no doctors, no nurses, no midwife is mentioned, so we assume. As far as we know, Joseph the carpenter has just been certified as Joseph the delivery man. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, come on, let's go to, let's go to the manger. What's going on there? we got a woman in labor, right? Now, I understand we're kind of jumping through the story here, but we'll hit the high spots this morning. That moment when that child is delivered and laid upon his mother's breast, that's parental love, isn't it? That's something you can't describe with words as the mother embraces her newborn child. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth to Judea to, his, Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with the child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. For nine months, that child had grew in his mother's womb. She felt those first movements. Yeah, Jesus kicked. Right? Just like any other baby. She felt those, the first kick. Joseph, put your hand here. Feel him move. And then there was a moment of birth. Listen to those lungs fill with air. Huh? You take that, that breath and that cry. Belt it out, Jesus. Belt it out. And then there's a shepherd's visit. An angel screaming in the heavens. No, that's not true. They were singing. And then the shepherds leave. And Mary treasured all of these things, pondering them in her heart. You see, there's not a full understanding of what's going on yet, but something special, something special is going on. And it would be just a short time later that Mary would hear these words from Simeon. And Simeon blessed him and said, Mary, and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising many in Israel and for the sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Mary, you're going to end up deeply, deeply wounded with pain over what's going to happen to your child. Joseph loved Mary. Mary loved Jesus. Jesus loved Mary. 
He loved his mother. Very quickly here, it was a provisional love. And I think this was appropriately assigned to the Savior, provisional. This is the essence of our story, what God has provided. But again, the human element. Jesus is our provider, yes, of salvation, peace, hope, comfort, eternal life. But what about this mother-son relationship? Remember, Jesus would die for Mary's sins also, okay? There's an old gospel song that says, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And I love that song, but scripturally, there's more to that. Scripturally, when Jesus was on the cross, his mother was on his mind. The human element. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he's on the cross. He's taking the the, the woman that heard his first breaths is now hearing his last. Do you see it? She she was and he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took care, took her to his own home. In effect, Jesus said, take care of mama. John, take care of mama. The humanity of Christ. The humanity of Mary. (laughs) This This is a human story under an umbrella of divine plan. And I fear again, if I may be redundant, sometimes we lose the human element. It is forgotten in the pageantry of the story. Number four, and if we bring this thing home, there's God's love for sinners in this story. And it's a preeminent love. What's his son's name again? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So what did God do to complete his plan and begin the the, the whole process of final atonement and redemption and salvation for lost sinners such as you and I, he sent his son. He gave his son. Why? Because he loved the world. And that promise of whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life is still good today, my brothers and sisters and friends. Merry Christmas, by the way. If you ever doubted God's love for you, please reread the Christmas story. It's God's love story. Back in John or 1 John 1.10, we read the passage, and this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. The son born to die, one purpose, one destiny. And then know this, once you accept his gift, you can never be separated from that love. 
Never. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The love story that never ends. God loves sinners. God loves me. God loves you. Finally, the love that we are to have for one another, a priority love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. That's a priority love. Listen, please, to the word of God as we wrap up our time in this timeless story. Remember Jesus' final words for his mother. Well, he had some final words for his disciples. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Folks, that's a profound commandment. That is not a request. It is not a suggestion. It is a commandment. The one primary, primary priority evidence of a true follower of Christ is to love each other. It identifies us as disciples of Christ or followers. As we look at this love story and we consider everything that's involved, please believe that there is, well, I want to be careful how I, how I frame this, but, but they are us, we are them. They're just people. Mary was just a young maiden, just like any other young maiden of her time, except God had chosen her for a special and most divine purpose. Other than that, she's going to struggle with the same emotions. She's going to struggle with the same shame and embarrassment, confusion and lack of understanding. Joseph is going to struggle with, with the faithfulness of his new bride. He's got to question her integrity. And Joseph stands up with his integrity of unwillingness to compromise the honor of Mary. Gentlemen, there's a message in here for us. Take care of your families. Protect your wives. Protect your children. Guard their integrity as you uphold yours. Be men of honor, love, do the right thing. And flush this whole feminization of our society down the toilet where it belongs with all the rest of the progressive junk out there. Be a man. Especially if you're married to a woman. Right? No, I'm serious about that. There's honor in that because that's God's plan. One man, one woman, one lifetime together. There's honor in that. So lift high the institution of marriage and respecting and honoring one another as husbands and wives. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. The little boy who who kicked in his mother's womb, right? Remember him, the little 12-year-old that ran away and they couldn't find him. Yeah, he did the boy, <laughs> right? 
but he knew what he was doing. Don't, don't get into this stuff that we're, we're, you know, I've heard theologians discuss, well, we're just not quite sure when Jesus became self-aware. Oh, put a sock in it. And listen, the, the, the teaching that, that Mary was born without sin, no biblical foundation whatsoever. She didn't need to uh, provide redemption for the Son of God. He could well take care of his own in the womb, right, Adam? As the Son of God, he redeemed himself. <laughs> he, he was always redeemed. Jesus died for his mother, too, and his earthly father, just like he died for you and me. You cannot be out of fellowship with a brother or sister in Christ and be in fellowship with God. Now, that is the difference between relationship. Brothers and sisters, I hope that maybe this season, if there would be any, any differences right here in this body of Christ, any differences, any feelings of ill, and I would hope they'd be settled. Because you see, that is the evidence of a follower of Christ to love one another and be in fellowship with the brethren and the sisterin. Is that a word? I was sitting in my office kind of putting the final notes together. I, I always come in early on Thursday morning. Typically on Thursday morning, I come in very early and just sit and consider the text, maybe reread it before I ever start writing. And, and I got to the part where Mary visits Elizabeth, and I thought about motherhood. Elizabeth was old advanced in years, much more polite, isn't it? Yeah. She's pregnant. John raises a rucus in her womb. Mary's going through the sensations of pregnancies. Any normal, nothing unusual about this, uh, right? I mean, well, I've seen women in later years have children. I, I, I'm just saying, the, the human element just began to flood over me. But these are real people dealing with unbelievable circumstances. And they remain faithful. They just remain faithful. That's God's story to us this morning. We may be dealing with unbelievable circumstances, but God's going to remain faithful to us. He's going to remain faithful to us. And if you're here this morning and you've, you've never experienced Christmas, and I'm talking about a biblical Christmas where you receive the greatest gift of all, you're going to leave here with those same struggles, those same doubts and those same fears and those same questions, looking for answers. And all the time, it wasn't under a tree, but it wasn't a manger. That son was given to 
much to you, to me. The son that would live. The son that would love. The son that would minister. The son that would die. The son that would be buried. And the son that would rise again. And the son that's coming again. What's his name? Because he saves us from our sins. His name is Jesus. Father, thank you for this moment, for this day, for this season. And Lord, don't let us get caught up in, in what I call the pageantry. This is real. This is life and death stuff. This is the story of our Redeemer. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. It's your story. I'm sure glad you wrote me into the story. And Father, I pray that everyone here leaves with confidence that they're now part of your story too.